Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast here on the Wolverine YouTube channel. If you're watching live or in our podcast feed after the fact, uh, I'm Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey and Chris Ballas. As we are every Monday, uh, it's the ninth Victory Monday show we've done, but will easily be the most unique one to date, given the stuff that happened over the weekend and, and updates on tunnel stuff and all of that uh, coming out of the day uh, after the win over Michigan State. But before we get into all that, uh, also shout out to our sponsor for the Monday night show, our friends over at the Rogue Shop. Uh, you can get 10% off uh, using the promo code The Wolverine. We will, you'll hear a little read from us on them a little bit later. So shout out to them, but uh, fellas quiet weekend, huh? Not much to talk about. Not at all. No. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, we've said a whole lot of stuff and Shane already with the $10 satisfied with bully ball. Not always pretty number three rank scoring and total D continues to ascend wide receivers, not getting open. And yeah, you know what? Can you argue with any of that? I'm glad we're not starting off with tunnel stuff, fellas, but uh, clay your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Shane, for the question right off the bat as well. That's two weeks in a row, I believe, with a uh, super chat before we even got started. So we appreciate you. You are one of the top listeners, uh, subscribers of thewolverine.com. Um, yeah, a glorious victory in the 600th game at Michigan Stadium. And, uh, you know, Michigan kind of imposed its will on, on the ground. No big runs, although Blake Corum was really close rewatching that game. Uh, shoestring tackle once, and then you had another where I thought he could have got out of it, and I think he was—he said it too. He was got up one like this, where he was that close to being off to the races. But Michigan pretty much dictated the game, uh, and then defensively, fantastic. Two for eleven uh, was Michigan State on third down. One for four on fourth down uh, really shut them down. They averaged eight point eight yards to go on third down, so that run defense was fantastic. Uh, I know Michigan State hasn't been good in that area this year, but. A very good game. Uh, the glaring concern coming out of this game is why can't Ronnie Bell just complete that damn pass because it would have been really fun at the end. But obviously, all, all jokes aside, it's the red zone offense. Um, I said it after the Penn State game. I thought, you know, they could come up with some better calls in the red zone. A lot of slow developing type of stuff side to side, you know, continues to be that way. Uh, I will say this, thinking about, it, you know, the personnel, though, they, they really miss Eric all. In that area, Scooney's so good in the middle of the field and on the underneath routes and probably even faster than Eric Hall. But Eric Hall was was really good in the red zone. We saw that in the Iowa game when he had kind of a, a sweet catch. Um, and then the wide receiving core isn't necessarily those possession type of guys where you can throw it up to and, and expect them to get it. Maybe like a Keon Coleman uh, is kind of that skill set is maybe what you're lacking. But I do think they can get better. They can execute better and uh, get a little mo more creative. And that's kind of the one thing. Same thing that we worried about going into November last year. They figured it out, so we'll see if they can this time. Yeah, and I do agree with you on the, the passes, the passing game. I don't think guys aren't don't seem to really be getting open, and I don't know if it's the schemes or what, but uh, they should be better. They have better receivers than they're showing, and it's disappointing because – uh, you know what? You've got a quarterback that can make all the throws, and he showed some things with his legs, guys, in terms of running the ball. 
I was really, <laughs> I was really excited about uh, to see him take off. Uh, I think there was one that was a designed draw, if I'm not mistaken, and then a couple scrambles. But uh, that's an area where he's improved. But they need to, to improve that downfield passing game if they're going to beat Ohio State and win a playoff game. And of course, as of now, that is the goal, guys. There's nobody on this team that should beat them. I know Illinois has gotten better. That's not a game that you better lose at home. They're going to beat Rutgers. They're going to beat Nebraska. So, But that's the one area. And everybody keeps talking about Andrew Anthony. And I feel like if he were really that good, then he'd be making some plays, you know, and why don't they target him more? Why don't they target him more? So on and so forth. Uh, at some point, you ca it kind of commands it, right? If, you, if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and if you're getting open in practice as well. So I think everybody's kind of living off that last year's Michigan State game. Um, I'm not so sure if it's him or if it's the scheme or what, but uh, I agree somebody needs to step up. He yeah, three, he only has three multi-catch games in his career, so it's crazy. Right. There's right. been a lot of talk. We've been part of it, too, mm -hmm. about wanting to get him more involved. I do think his skill set is kind of what they're lacking, but, again, I mean, maybe it's down the road. Maybe he's not quite ready, obviously, to take some of those snaps. Sorry for cutting you off. Andy. No, that's no, that's all right. I mean, I think the key on Coleman comment is, you know, that's exactly the type of wide receiver they need. And, and when, I watch, when I watch him play in particular, like that's – he's like a Nico Collins type of guy where 50, 50 balls down the field. He's got the speed. He's got the length. Um, you know, I don't, you would think on paper that Cornelius Johnson could potentially be that guy, but some of these games just to call a spade a spade, he's been a bit of a, a bit of a space cadet. And, and certainly Saturday made some plays that uh, could have negatively impacted Michigan. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, Jeremy also has a $10 super chat in here that says, can we quit running first and second down in the red zone every time and throwing it on third with when no receivers in the red zone? Your guys' thoughts. Yeah, they light way too many early downs on fire down there. It needs to be – it needs to look a little there, – there does need to be more creativity. I think in our first point, uh, both of you guys sort of illustrated that being the case. But, you know, how does that change with personnel? Because we're sitting here talking about how they, you know, they don't have that type of wide receiver and they miss Eric all. So when you look at the type of guys that they have, and this is a question for both of you, how does that improve with the personnel that they have on the field? I'll be honest. I, there's times I think they get too cute and that even that play, the touchdown with Blake Corum probably shouldn't have worked, you know, when he was cutting across the field and uh, there are two guys that had a shot at him. Uh, he, he, broke a tackle, uh, not a very good effort. Um, there are other times where they're losing three yards. And Jim Harbaugh, I wrote about this after the game, and Jim Harbaugh mentioned it uh, at the press conference today. And he said, you know what, we can't lose – three yards when it's first and goal from the five you know what you've got to if even if it's you know what running straight at him and getting two or three yards on first down um to me that's the way you do it and, and Howard Griffith actually said this on the Big Ten Network last week and he said or after the game and he said you know when you have a running game that strong you shouldn't be losing yardage in the red zone and he's absolutely right and that's been an issue uh, I don't think it's been the backs I think it's been the scheme and the blocking we saw uh, El Hadi get blown up Near, near the goal line on second yeah. goal from the two or whatever, and they lost three yards, and then they're kicking a field goal. That cannot happen against the better teams on the schedule. So we'll see where it goes. But Jim Harbaugh did say today that needed to be a point of emphasis. They've got brilliant analysts in that building, guys, guys that should be able to devise something here that, uh, that works because that's, again, five field goals, as good as Jake Moody is, just not cutting it. Yeah, I didn't hate the – the Blake Corum play as much just because that's kind of putting the ball in your best player's hands. And at least they, you know, he had momentum, you know, catching it, uh, you know, it was actually a pass off of motion. So I was, 
fine with it, but you're right. Like the fact that they even needed to use that to get in there was a little bit alarming. Three out of their five negative plays in the entire game against Michigan State um, were inside the 10. And, you know, so you, you can't have that happen. You can't go backwards and you can't turn the ball over when you're in the red zone. Those are the two, you know, big rules. And, you know, Michigan has done the first thing. Uh, you know, luckily they're not turning it over. And that's kind of part of it almost where they do seem to get a little bit more conservative down there. I agree. First and second down, uh, you know, at the same time, they've been so good at running the ball. And they usually when they get in the red zone, it was the run game that got them down there. But I do think they could they could do a little more play action when they're kind of closer to the 20. Um, and then you got to trust your wide receivers and tight ends to kind of get open and beat a guy in the end zone when you're a little bit closer. And it's, you know, just to be a little less predictable. But I do think they they should figure some things out here. We, we Again, we had those same issues and concerns a year ago at this time. And then all of November, they were damn near perfect in the red zone. So it, it is fixable. They can do it. Um, and, and, you know, it's largely the same personnel plus Ronnie Bell. So we've sound, kind of seen these guys do it. Uh, Haskins was so good down there, though. But, um, yeah, we'll see if they can kind of fix that. And that's kind of the big focus, it seems like, going into, you know, the rest of the way. Question here from Matthew Murphy, who asks, switching sports entirely, thoughts on the basketball team from what you've heard so far. They will, uh, that's big M man on the fort. So shout out to you, Matthew, for jumping on the live show here. Yeah, Michigan basketball will play an exhibition on Friday and then they open their season. It's actually a good good time for a PSA. They open their season a week from tonight. We will not be live a week from tonight because we will be covering uh, Michigan basketball senior uh, season opener against Purdue Fort Wayne. So, uh, just a note there, but uh, for both of you guys, uh, thoughts on the basketball team and where we're where this thing is headed, uh, heading into the season opener. Go ahead, Clay. I'm really curious about this team. It, you, it's hard to get a feel on it. It's really hard to get a feel on the entire Big Ten. Uh, I will say I think they have the best player in the league coming back in Hunter Dickinson. So you kind of know that um, for as much as we think and, you know, continue to hear that Jalen Llewellyn has done a good job. You just don't know with some of these mid-major guards that come in. It's kind of a crapshoot. Um, and what kind of role will he have to take? Well, that depends on how guys like Kobe Buff can come along. How much improvement did he make over the offseason? Excited to see that. Uh, at the same time, I'm a little hesitant, you know, uh, with him. Jet Howard, how big of a load can he take on right away? Is he, you know, if those other guys are good, then he can sit around and just kind of look for a shot and, you know, play good defense, hopefully. Uh, I know they're really working with him on that area. Howard Isley said he doesn't wor worry about Jet on the offensive side. Uh, it's more the defensive side of the floor, and um, he's got to come along there. So there are some big question marks with this, this team. You lost your best defender, yet you got to be better defensively. You were about 80th or so in defensive efficiency. So question marks, but you have Hunter back, better leadership, as we have talked about in the past as well with this team. And I think that could go a long way as well. Um, and you, you have to figure out who are they going to be those third guy, you know, the fourth guy and how much they can contribute. Yeah, and I'm worried about, I'll be honest, I am worried about Kobe Bufkin at the two. I'm worried about the shooting guard position overall. I don't know that they have the bodies there. Somebody's going to have to step up. And if it's not Kobe Bufkin and you're playing Jalen Llewellyn and Doug McDaniel, then you got two freshmen on the floor and Doug McDaniel and Chet Howard who are going to be great in time, but to rely on them uh, so early in their careers uh, could be pretty tough. But I'm with you when it comes to um, – when it comes to the big guy, Hunter Dickinson, being out there, you know that you're going to have a chance in just about every game just because he's there and he's an automatic bucket. I think Jalen Llewellyn is going to be the real deal. I think he's going to be more Mike Smith than Devontae because uh, I just have that feeling. Everything that we've heard about him 
is uh, is solid. Great teammate. Uh, really, really shot the ball well overseas and has shot the ball well in practice. And again, as Phil Martelli always says, it's you know how you doing when the popcorn's popping, right? So that's what I'm anxious to see. But I like the fact that they're talking about how much more come. Um, together these guys are how much better the chemistry is in last year because there were a couple guys there that just seemed to be biding their time and you know i'm not saying they weren't team guys but uh, they had other things on their mind these guys to me seemed like a tighter knit group of guys yeah i have no pulse on i mean i think this team can be good but i wouldn't be surprised if they looked like something like last year i think the uh, it all comes down to shooting it comes down to your guard play and, and the guys that you know hunter dickinson's a known commodity you're going to get 18 and eight from him, probably more than that. You might get 20 and 10 just because it's another year in college basketball, but uh, there are just so many ifs. Uh, And again, this early, I mean, they haven't played a game yet. And even early in non-conference play, they're going to be questions, not concerns, questions until they become, you know, maybe something to be concerned about. But uh, more often than not, you know, if you're in the mix for a national title, you're, inside the top 10 in offensive efficiency on Kempom. You're somewhere in the top 15 to top uh, 20 in defensive efficiency. And Michigan was there uh, the season before last and last year, they weren't even close. And I think that the product matched that. Obviously the product matched that on the floor, despite, you know, getting to the sweet 16. So uh, improvements are needed. I do have questions about the personnel uh, and the, how these pieces fit, but I do think it will be a better, I do think the chemistry is better and will be better this year. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. So we will go to Adam Shepardson has a question. And actually both Adam and Christopher Robbins have, they're both wide receiver questions, uh, but how much of the receivers not getting open is coaching? It seems like opposing team secondaries know what coverage they'll run based on our personnel. Uh, I will start with this one only just to say, I think while the depth, like the depth has always been a strength for them. If someone was to go down, tomorrow i think i'm pretty confident they'd have someone to step in um i think it's easy to say based on eight games of evidence now that maybe we did kind of overrate the group as a whole i don't see you know there are times where jj is missing guys but i also don't see guys consistently enough uh, making plays at the line of scrimmage and getting themselves open I don't like the routes uh, at times again. And how many times have we said that quite a bit, you know, on this team in, in the last four or five years where, and I made this point to Doug Skeen when you were watching the early 1990s teams, you know, that love to run the ball too. And Gary Moeller opened it up a little bit as well, but there are always guys open, especially on play action where, okay, when you're running the ball that well, somebody should be open. Uh, I don't know if it's the routes. I don't know if it's the schemes. Um, you know what? These are things that I'm going to have to ask, ask some people this week um, because uh, it should be better. And there are guys like Ronnie Bell who've been here forever. He's still the best receiver on this team. So um, is it Bellamy or the players? Great question. Um, I think Ron Bellamy is going to be a great coach. And and there are attributes that he has already that are of, of a great coach. He's a great recruiter. His players love him and everything else. But the proof, right, is, is in the production. And we aren't seeing as much of it as we should. So and now, again, J.J. Uh, McCarthy's missed on some deep balls. There have been times that have been he's been he's had receivers open and just missed them. But uh, you don't see enough guys running open where, you know what, they, they have been schemed open or, or something's working that in that area. So uh, I agree with you, Chris. Uh, something's off. Yeah, not to put total blame on the guys, but I do think it's probably more of the players. If you look at the personnel 
Cornelius Johnson to me, Anthony, you're right. He probably has more of the frame for like, okay, this guy could go get a jump ball, but the way he catches the ball is almost more in his body than, you know, up here and, and high pointing it and stuff like that. Then you have, um, you know, a guy like Ronnie Bell, who's so good underneath, uh, you know, he does go up and get the ball and he's gotten better that at that throughout his career. Um, you know, and, and Roman Wilson can, can make some contested catches as well, but he's playing more in the slot this season and you're seeing him do a little bit more with screen passes. So I don't know. I, I just don't think they have that burner that is really good at getting open. Uh, and also, I don't think they're really opening up the pass game that much. And obviously that factors into it. But we're not seeing all these reps of them throwing deep like Michigan State where they're throwing up prayers. Michigan's running the football. They're hitting a lot of underneath stuff. And it's working generally uh, for them to move the ball. But would like to see some of those bigger passes. Uh, aside from the red zone offense, the next thing I think that could take this offense to the next level would be connecting deep. Uh, get some of those big plays so you don't have to drive the field and get stuck in the red zone. Some of those 50-50 balls, Anthony, th these, they aren't catching them. Ronnie Bell had one last game where he gets it here, it gets knocked out of his hands, and it would have been a tough catch, but that's a catch that really good receivers make, right? Cornelius Johnson's had a few of those as well. So I think they are lacking a little bit in that area. I think Ronnie Bell, the number one receiver on this team, would have been the number three receiver on some of the better teams that Michigan's had in the past. So, But I think there are young guys waiting in the wings too, like Darius Clemens, who can be that guy. So maybe Andrell Anthony, uh, maybe we'll see more of him. I think he's got more upside uh, than he's shown and uh, I think we will see him start to to break out probably as soon as next year yeah the fact of the matter is is that coming into the season uh, I believe it was even Jim Harbaugh who said that there are things that Andre Anthony does that sort of like he seeks to emulate like a Braylon Edwards type of guy um, you know we're, we're talking about I'm again not holding him to that same standard but uh, there was a lot of hype that just hasn't materialized, whether it's practice stuff, whether it's his role in the offense. I don't know what that is. Uh, I will say this about, you know, you look at the roster and, um, and deep ball guys. I think that they know that that was, that's a bit of a thing that needs to be addressed just because, you know, look at the freshman they brought in Darius Clemens is six, three, Amorian Walker isn't ready yet, but he's six, three. Uh, don't even know if he's a wide receiver. Yeah, they might play him at quarterback yet. Um, uh, Andre Anthony is six foot two. So like there are guys there um, still young, still a little bit green, even, you know, since we're Keon Coleman's the, the hot topic right now, given how he performed in Saturday's game, he was a freshman last year and had seven catches for 50 yards. So those guys, those freshmen uh, in Michigan's locker room, those guys will, will get better. I expect them to get better and we'll see what happens from there, but uh, yeah, it, it does need to be addressed. So, uh, JC with a $10 super chat. We appreciate you seven starts into JJ's career. Is he behind or ahead of where you thought he'd be? Uh, Chris, we'll start with you on that one. Uh, I think he's, you know what, uh, they're using him differently than I thought they would. Right. I thought uh, we'd see a little bit more read option with him. I thought we'd see a little bit more downfield passing. And at the same time, this looks a lot like last year's offense, doesn't it? With uh, with what Cade McNamara was doing, with one exception being that J.J. can get out of the pocket. And we've seen him, uh, especially in the Michigan State, he really took a nice step in that respect uh, on the read option, like we were talking, not the read option, but the, uh, the quarterback draw. The scrambles were huge in that game, guys. Some third down scrambles that were absolutely huge. Um, in terms of not forcing things, I think he's really come a long way. So the, the lack of turnovers for an offense like this to work, the dink dunk and, and with the huge running game, you can't turn the ball over. And he's done a really nice job of that. He, he was lucky at times, but you know, that happens. Um, 
And so I, I think he's about where, where I thought he would be. I thought he'd have a couple more of the bigger type games, like the 300 yarder that he had. Um, but I have no complaints and I think he's only going to get better. This kid's a special leader. He's a great talent, can make all the throws. Some of the throws that we've seen on the run from him are NFL throws. I want to see more of that though. And again, I, again, I don't, not sure how much of that is scheme and how much of that is receivers not getting open. But the one thing I love about him guys is that he's not forcing it. Like maybe he was in practice when he didn't win the job against Cade. If a guy's not there, he's throwing the ball away and living to fight another day. And I think that's huge. Yeah, I think he's playing better than I thought he was going to. He's playing really good football. Um, and I did think he'd be a little bit more mistake prone potentially, which is why, again, Cade McNamara had an edge coming out of fall camp and, and for the most of fall camp. Uh, and it's no disrespect to JJ to say that I, I didn't think he'd be as good as he's been. Uh, I didn't think the run game would be as good as it is. Uh, I, you know, I thought it would be very strong, but uh, it's potentially more dominant than last season. We'll see. Obviously, you have to do it in the, the biggest games and then you can kind of make that you know determination but um you know they haven't had to put too much on his plate which has been really good for him and then chris as you mentioned he's delivered on some of those he has some misfires the deep ball hasn't necessarily been there but again that the receivers are 50 percent of that in my opinion as well and no i mean jj's he's gonna be fine uh he's seven starts in and uh i think you can say that that potentially next year this could be one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football could be um you know, he, he seems to have that type of skill set. We knew he's talented, but he's starting to put things together. And even, uh, you know, some of those times when maybe he could take that, that shot down the field and take the risk, but he does have someone coming open uh, underneath, then he takes that. And that's the type of stuff that you were really waiting to see out of him from what we had heard about him in practice last year and even in his limited action in game. So he's coming along, doing what he's doing on the scrambles. That fourth down was huge against Michigan State. Um so really pleased with the way, you know, JJ's kind of acquitted himself and they may need him to win a game down the stretch here too um, with some throws. I think he's capable of that, but we'll just have to see, I guess. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's not as black and white as behind or ahead. I mean, in some areas he's light years ahead of where I thought he would be, mm-hmm. especially in terms of, you know, being able to calm yourself to just take what the defense gives you. I, I thought that he would be one of those, like, just, I mean, I don't want to say, reckless and a gunslinger but you know i thought there'd be some extremely high highs and at times some very you know some very deep valleys but fact of the matter is he's been as as cool calm and collected as as his predecessor was and and a little bit more dangerous just with what he's able to do with his legs and uh, his reads the last few weeks just in terms of when to get on your high horse and get out of trouble uh, have been impressive I, i i think again ahead behind in some areas you know we could do the full breakdown of that, but uh, Michigan's getting plus quarterback play. And that's, that's why they have a shot to stay in this thing. Uh, Devin Scott with a $10 super chat, another JJ question. He says, do you see any regression with JJ with some loss in accuracy? Is it a lack of rhythm with play calling figure OSC will sell out to stop the run. And he's got to be on. I, I think any regression in quote unquote accuracy or statistics has the fact has to do with the fact that, um, you know, these teams are playing safeties back and not letting him beat them. Uh, I think the teams are playing him differently just based on what he showed on film. Um, again, it, I do think that Michigan can do a little more to get him in rhythm in the short, quick, inter- intermediate passing game, uh, scheming up some easy throws with him. Uh, they've done that for the most part, but I think they can do even more of it still. Uh, even Saturday, I think he was a bit... There are times in that first half where he's a little bit jumpy. Uh, there's at least one play 
where he's kind of just standing there and he pats the ball and he's waiting for a guy to get open instead of just letting it rip. Uh, you still see those things on film, but um, yeah, I mean, OSU will sell out to stop the run. I would assume everyone that Michigan plays from here on out will sell out to stop the run because, you know, when Michi- Michigan tr- uh, traditionally under Harbaugh, when you take away what they do best, things kind of at times have fallen apart on them. And, and JJ is supposed to be the deterrent to that. So we'll see what happens there, but I, I don't see regression. I see water finding its level a bit with being, you know, an 80% completion guy early on in the year. Uh, you put stuff on film, defenses play you different. That's what I see right now. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's 60%, I think, against Michigan State, right, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. He's probably still, what, top five, top ten in the country in, in completion percentage. Maybe Hutch can look that up. So uh, he's been on, spot on on a lot of his throws, and he missed a couple. Yeah, and every quarterback you see is going to miss a few, even the best quarterbacks in the country. You know, we could go to any game. You watch Alabama. Uh, nobody's perfect. So, um Lack of rhythm with play calling, I don't think so. But I think more, again, a, a lot of it is if the first read's not there, you know, he stays with it a little longer than he probably should. But uh, guys aren't really moving either, uh, I've noticed, coming back to the ball and stuff. And I've seen some of the coaches on the sideline getting back with him. He's still number one in pass efficiency or pass mm-hmm. uh, completion percentage. So, um you know what, guys need to come back to the ball a little bit more. If the route's not working, you got to understand that you've got a quarterback in there that can keep a play alive and run to where they ain't, right? Find a spot in the field. Uh, there was one time, I forget who did it, it might have been Ronnie Bell on on uh, Saturday night where he missed him. He had him, he came back to the ball. Um, but that, uh, that, in my opinion, is the bigger issue. I don't think – I think McCarthy, in terms of completion percentage and accuracy, has been really good. And the deep ball is tough, right? Uh, everybody says, you know what, it's – when you're throwing deep, it's a lower percentage ball for a reason. So – but I would like to see them have more guys running open, um, like I said, so that doesn't have to be such a, a perfect throw there right on the money. Yeah, the regression is regret, you know – regression to 74 percent you know he's been pretty good and i do think earlier in the season well one you have to factor in the level of competition Uh two teams like hawaii were afraid of him beating them deep even though they did a couple times and they were really michigan was doing a lot of those shorter passes to guys like roman wilson who uh you know it was almost an extension of the run game going away from that a little bit defenses have gotten better they're playing him differently anthony as you mentioned but no i I think it's more so just a few throws if you do want to say he's gotten less accurate um I think it was a couple throws against Penn State and then a few that he missed on against Michigan State that were really uh, makeable. But as Chris, you said, I mean, you watch college football. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. There are a lot of good quarterbacks that miss throws. You come back, make a good one. You know, it's just kind of the way it goes. I was watching the NFL yesterday. There's a lot of that. So um, it happens, and he's still at a really good clip. I think if they opened it up more, that completion percentage would go down. But I think you'd still get, you know, some pretty good efficiency there as well. So it's it's part of you know, it's just part of, you know, the, the rhythm of a season, really. I think he's, he's one of the more accurate guys we've seen around here. Yeah. Probably the most accurate Michigan passer since Henny. I don't know. Probably have to go back that far at least Uh, in terms of a dual threat, just pure talent, probably their most talented dual threat runner and thrower of the football since Drew Henson. So yeah, I mean, still mostly impressed. Uh, Not, I don't see the regression that some people do. I think it's a regression based on an expectation that people had that may have been a bit unrealistic and even, you know, a recalibration of maybe some of our own expectations. But uh, we do have a lot of questions in the chat. Um, Eventually, a lot of them do have to do with 
some of the stuff that went on after the game Saturday. So we will get to that. But first, I do want to talk about our friends over at the Rogue Shop. Richard and Charmaine have been amazing, amazing partners to us this football season. Sponsors of our Monday night show. Uh, you can get 10% off over at therogueshop.com using uh, the promo code the Wolverine. Uh, for anyone who's been here for the first time, I know a lot of uh, some of our videos are bringing here, uh, bringing people here for the first time after this weekend. Uh, the Rogue Shop, uh, Richard and Char are craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch, batch sustainable plant medicine. Richard is a disabled combat veteran, and his wife, Charmaine, is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. They operate their business out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and work to not only grow and manufacture, but also educate. Uh, the population on the benefits of THC-based medicine. So if you're looking for a product that can help you to diffuse stress and anxiety, soothe chronic pain, insomnia, Rogue Shop's menu of products is exactly what you're looking for. So, And the best thing about them is they're willing to lop, hop on a live chat and give you detailed feedback to uh, you know a prospective customer that if you might have any questions, uh, it is a personalized experience from the moment you consider using them to the moment you get your package, they send you a handwritten, uh, a handwritten message uh, with everything you order. So uh, Delta eight, Delta nine CBD and THC products are all lab direct without middlemen. Uh, they grow their own stuff. They manufacture their own stuff with their own hands. Unlike their competitors that are replacing humans with machines. Uh, so 10% off at the rogue shop.com uh, with uh, promo code, the Wolverine, Guys, uh, I, I go. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not. I know I'm not alone in singing their praises. But uh, any messages that you might have for our friends about the Rogue Shop? Yeah, I went to bed at five o'clock or five fifteen on uh, Saturday morning after writing. Uh, I took a half a gummy and I slept till noon. Man, and it was great. Even though it was light out, so uh, it's been fantastic. And uh, you know what? My mom's recommended it to her friends. They use it. They're sleeping better than ever. So especially for people who have insomnia or can't sleep or are thinking too much, uh, I can't recommend the gummies highly enough. Uh, they're fantastic. And again, just great people and great partners. Yeah, I mean. It's, we're heading into November here, so happy Halloween, everybody. But everybody, including us, we're playing hurt. You know, you're not 100% at this point in the season. <laughs> the pain cream that we have right here is fantastic. So I'll apply that to any areas. Obviously, don't take my medical advice. Yeah, you're close. You you're close. Here. here you go. Yeah, read it on the, uh, you know, follow all the instructions, all that. But it's just fantastic stuff, product. Um, and uh, love our friends over at the Rogue Shop. All right. Again, that's promo code the Wolverine at rogueshop.com for 10% off. Shout out to Richard and Shar. Uh, we appreciate you guys and thanks for your continued support. All right. So, by the grace of the football gods, we've been able to spend a half hour actually talking ball, which is pretty refreshing, guys. I have to say, uh, I felt like, uh, I felt like uh, Walter Cronkite on Saturday night doing the play by play of the press conference after um, the quote-unquote assaults that happened in the tunnel after the game. We do have some more information on that now. Jim Harbaugh spoke on Monday. Uh, there is a clear video out from uh, the folks at ESPN and ABC who had a tunnel shot of it, and it kind of, you know, it's not, I don't know that it sheds light on a lot of new stuff. Uh, Michigan State did suspend four players, uh, Kari Crump, Angelo Gross, Tank Young, and... Uh, I believe Zion Young or Zion. I'll, I'll get the name. I'll get the names here. This is what I do when I recite things from memory. But they did suspend four players. Uh, the video that was released showed 
Uh, Michigan State cornerback Kari Crump swinging his helmet multiple times at uh, U of M cornerback Jamon Green, uh, who is in the concussion protocol, uh, has hired legal uh, legal uh, counsel. Hired Mars legal counsel. What what is my deal today? I can't talk. That's okay. Um, so he, they will be pursuing charges uh, against that. It looked like in the video, this is the newest development that MSU star linebacker Jacoby Winman was puts his helmet back on and appears to hold Jamon Green while getting swung at. Uh, there's not a clear view in the ESPN video of what happened to Jaden McBurrows, but by all accounts, uh, the stuff with Green started happening. McBurrows comes in to kind of either defend his teammate or whatever it was, and uh, a couple MSU players kind of kind of drag him off to the hallway over to the right of the, you know, if you're watching the video and uh, you see the things that were in Matt Charbonneau's video. So uh, I, uh, Jim Harbaugh said it would be clear as day when the video came out, the video came out this afternoon. I don't know that I see a whole lot different there. Um, there is still a gap in what happened on the field. You know what, you know, from the moment we see Jamon Green, Jane McBurrows leave the field to, you know, what happens in this tunnel video. I'm sure all of this will come out in a report that comes out soon enough. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the video is out uh, and here we are. So again, I guess updated thoughts on what happened over the weekend. And uh, you know, there are the four MSU players suspended. I suspect there will be more coming. Uh, The police investigation will be completed here and wrapped up. You would think sooner rather than later. So I don't know. Um, where are we headed here, guys? I don't know what else to, I mean, there's a lot of irresponsible coverage of this situation. That's why I just tried to read you the facts and show you the facts if you're watching on the YouTube. So I don't know, I guess updated thoughts and we have a lot of questions in the queues, but I just wanted to give you guys a, an opportunity to address the info that was made available to us today. Yeah, it sure looked like Winman threw a punch in there as well, from what I saw. And there, from what I understand, there's probably more video even. So there are probably things that Jim Harbaugh has seen that we have not. So a lot of people with phones, I know one of our colleagues, one, one friend of mine, had the phone knocked from his hand as he was trying to videotape. And that was on the field when it was starting to, to get chippy. But it started getting chippy at the end of that game. You saw people punching, taking punches at Blake Corum at the bottom of the pile, uh, things like that. Well, Chris, Chris, it's because they ran a trick play. Oh, of course, right. It doesn't remember when Mark D'Antonio like ran in a touchdown and hurried up to, to run up the score at the end of the game. That's crap that happens in games. It has nothing to do with a kid getting beaten over the head with a helmet. Those people are nuts. So uh, flat out, it, it's unacceptable. And anybody trying to make excuses for that type of behavior is a joke. I've, I've heard a lot of it on radio. I've read columns, people blaming Jim Harbaugh after spending what, 10 years defending Mark D'Antonio with his, that, you know, his hatred of everything Michigan and, and that fan base just ate it up. The red meat they were fed, they just ate it up. Uh, I can guarantee you that if it were, if, the positions were switched. None of us would be sitting there and blaming the tunnel or blaming any trash talk or anything like that. Just like we did with Juwan Howard, we said there had to be consequences, you know, which is nothing like this situation, by the way. That was a slap. Um, you know what? There are going to be consequences and you don't make excuses for that type of behavior. But that to me is a culture thing. And that's something that's been going on up there for a long time. Frankly, the one guy who wasn't really crazy, in my opinion, was John L. Smith. And they ran him out of town when he said he wanted the rivalry to be a fun one. So, uh, of course, he didn't beat Michigan either and he didn't win enough. But uh, you know what? Mel Tucker's proven to be who we kind of thought he was. Uh, last year was really kind of a mirage and um, but you can't resort to that stuff. You just can't. No, I mean, you expect the, 
you know, punching Blake Corum and the stuff that goes on at the bottom of the pile. And there were other uh, examples throughout that game from Michigan State. I mean, they couldn't help themselves on the first drive of the game with an unsportsmanlike penalty call. So that stuff you expect. Uh, this stuff goes beyond the rivalry. And I, I thought Jim Harbaugh's press conference today was really good because he got all those types of questions. Do you think there should be changes to the tunnel? Uh, do you think that, you know, the rivalry has gone too far? And he wouldn't really put anything with this situation in the context of where it happened, the rivalry, because this is beyond that. At some point, the game ends and real life starts up again and you can't assault people. And it was assault, uh, obviously, you know, from what I saw on the videos, I do agree. There's got to be other angles as well, because I think there's got to be something probably from that tunnel cam. They always show when Michigan runs out. So I think there's probably something closer to the field on that side of the tunnel. Um, but just egregious, sickening. Those were great words to sum it up, I thought. And watch, honestly, it's it, like Anthony, you're right. It's almost relieving we didn't talk about it earlier on because it is so sickening, not because I'm afraid to, uh, you know, talk about what happened or, or you know, whatever. But um, it was bad. And you even see in this video that the YouTube people are watching, their director of player operations is running away. He looks like he's scared for his life uh, running away, but he was the same tough guy that was walking out of the tunnel before the game, yelling at cameramen to move out of his way and his team's way. So um, it's bad, and it's it's not a product of, of their team or their coach, but the program as a whole. Yeah, and I had tweeted this out yesterday, I think it was, where I said, listen, um, we're not going to do the what about stuff or you know, what, what about Javon Green and Jaden McBurrows going up the tunnel early. Um, I'll address that in a second, but there's no excuse for it, Chris. There wasn't, like you said, when Juwan put his hands on, on someone else last year, um, there's no excuse for someone, a Michigan fan, putting their hands on Mel Tucker after the game. That crap can't happen either. Um, repercussions are justified, especially when it's caught on video, plain as day. Um, as far as, you know, why were Jamon Green and Jaden McBurrows in the tunnel? I take... Right now, we're taking everything at face value until a report comes out. Jim Harbaugh and even Jamon, you know, people in Jamon Green's circle have said he's one of the first guys off the field every game, and usually he's showered and and stuff by the time his teammates are back in and uh, from celebrating. You know, I I that's a great moment Saturday where you get to win the Paul Bunyan Trophy back, and I guess you'd like to see those guys celebrating, but they have the right to go to the tunnel in their own building. That I mean, that's it's as simple as that, and. You know, the fact of the matter is, is, even if something was said in the tunnel or even if there was a shove, I mean, I don't think Jamon, I mean, you don't see it. It's not in the video where you don't see him, you know, swinging his helmet like a like a like a madman or whatever it was. So, you know, it's. I'm just I don't know what else to say on it. I mean, the videos out there, I would think that, you know, everyone's given their statements to the authorities, as Jim Harbaugh said, Um in a weird roundabout way. I mean, I think that Michigan state people have been at least transparent about what's gone on for the most part, but you know, Jacoby Winman was in a press conference a couple minutes after that happened, asked if he saw what happened and he didn't answer. He didn't, he didn't answer. And yeah. that's a lie because it's right there. There's only one number four on their team. So yep. we'll see. Um, it's not a lie. If you believe it, 
It's true. <laughs> now, it, and they always seem reactionary instead of proactive, right? It's like, well, yeah. let's see what's on film there. And you know what? It's just kind of the culture again. You, you, you know what? They're going to sweep things under the rug and unless there's video. Thank, thankfully, there was video, a lot of video of this because this is one that they can't make go away and say, ah, oh, well, you know what? It, it's just, you know, there's no proof, this and that. And uh, and you know what? There's no proof of that Jamon Green or Jaden McBurrows said anything. That's what I was up and, and even I don't think even the Michigan State players have said that they said anything. You know, there's just this no. assumption that they must have been taunting. Oh, my God, the kid was skipping into the tunnel. He might have been happy about the win. But, you know, what we saw last week, these guys are walking up the tunnel with the Penn State players. We've seen them walking up the tunnel with Ohio State's guys in the past. Uh, you know what? It's not about the tunnel. It's about uh, civility and, and human decency and yeah. not beating a guy over the head with a helmet. Come on, man. This is, uh, I will... this is commonsensical. The last last thing for me on the tunnel, uh, you know, they've been playing. They played 600 football games there. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the tunnel. Um, if there's a change that needs to be made, I think we're probably looking at security cameras from multiple angles being put in there at some point. I think that's probably important because if you're not going to make any other changes to the tunnel, you better have video evidence of yep. of stuff that might go on. So um, I think we've kind of set our piece on that. Uh when the details of a report come out, which I assume they will, um, you know, that's, that's Canon. There's no room for opinions and well, Jim Harbaugh goaded this or, or Mel Tucker coaches that, you know, the police report will ultimately be what tells the story of what happened down there. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at. And I guess we'll move on to the questions uh, again. This is from Richard also Brooks. who says, do you guys see a situation where the MSU Michigan game is no longer protected with the new alignment? I hope uh, so. It's, I don't think it's the worst idea. I also don't think it's terrible, uh, would be terrible if they moved it to a neutral site for a couple of years, if they played it at Ford Field or something like Florida Georgia does. Uh, but also you shouldn't have to move a venue because one team can't behave itself or the two teams can't behave themselves. I do think there should be a scenario where we're looking at not playing this game for a couple of years just to turn – like the heat does need to come down on this because – there is, this is a low point, but we're at a point, and this is a societal thing now where hatred only escalates to more hatred, right? So, yeah, um, I don't know that you change the dynamics of, of where the game's played or whatever, but uh, if they if they decide not to play this for a few years, I'm fine with that because yeah, if it were like it's not fun. State. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. If it were like Pitt Penn State or something like that and they played every once in a while and there was still that hatred, I'd be okay with it. I'd like to just go back and revisit the 1950s vote, you know, where they were allowed into the yes. Big Ten. I think they're too close. <laughs> you know what? It's too close. So I think we take a vote of athletic directors and see if, you know, maybe Michigan State can go to the ACC or something like that. And that solves all your problems, you know, and then maybe you're playing them in, uh, you know, in the postseason or something like that. So I'd say, I'd say put CMU on the schedule. 100%. So, but in all seriousness, uh, I couldn't, you know, what? it's not, a, it's not fun. If for Michigan fans, it's, you know, it's a relief when you win. It's, there's no fun in beating them because you're supposed to beat them. And I, I, everybody I talk to says the same thing, you know, let's get this week over with. Unfortunately, it was two weeks this year, you know, you just, uh, or the Mac, Mike Ford says, yeah. Um, it, it, would they win the Mac this year, guys? I, I know you're a Mac guy, Anthony. I, my, my alma mater wouldn't i can tell yeah. you that's all i can safely tell you about that. yeah I think yeah so i think they would win the mac michigan state yeah 
Okay. Well, there you go. So maybe we'll have t-shirts made for our, Face closed. Yeah. We'll have our t-shirts well, made for our, you they know, were, they the were, they were originally. Would have so it would be, um, yeah, but it's not fun guys. It's just, there's nothing fun about it. You're just sitting there and you're like, let's just get this over with and hope nothing happens anymore. And then we have to listen to the crap and the idiotic columns after the game, you know, about who did what and everything else. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I'd be just fine with it. I don't, you don't need to, you know what, Paul Bunyan trophy or whatever, use it for, for kindling or firewood for all I care. It's hard to really say without knowing what they're going to go with in terms of a format for whether it's going to be pods and then you rotate who you play or stick with divisions or, or no divisions or what they're going to do. But um, Ohio state's got to be that protected game. Uh, if, if you get one and, you know, again, they could just be in the same pod. So then, it's already, you know, guaranteed to be played. So it's hard to really answer that. I don't, I don't like the neutral side argument. And I really don't, I don't think I agree with all that stuff is limited upside in this game because you're supposed to win and, and put things in proper perspective. Like you did on Saturday, as Bo Schembechler would say, but um, I also don't think that what happened after the game should be like, Oh, well, we can't have these teams play. That was over the line. That was completely insane. You know what Michigan state did. But, you know, that that wasn't part of the football game where it's it's too bad. Like, that was something else. That was, you know, a, another entity, in my opinion. So I, I don't think you would stop it for that. But, um, no, I think there's a chance that, that it's not because Ohio State's always going to be the priority number one, at least for Michigan. And then you kind of go from there. Maybe Michigan State and their manufactured rivalry with Penn State will become bigger or something like that. I don't know. Whatever they try to do with that. So or, or whatever – other trophy games they've had, but I don't know. I think we'll see in a couple of years, maybe what the big 10 decides. Yeah. And, and it is not in this particular situation, it is not on Michigan to deescalate what happened over the weekend, but in terms of, you know, the rivalry has been building to this. And, and I do think that there is leadership. Well, there's been a lack of leadership on MSU side. They've had five presidents in six years and uh, you know, some other kind of tumult that's, that's gone through that program, but just in general, like, I don't know how you turn the heat down on this thing without just not, you know, going to your root, your bedroom, so to speak, uh, for a couple of years. Um, the, the issue I would have with playing a neutral site game is that I, I think the next step of this is that the toxicity and it already has if you're on social media, but um, you want to get a bunch, a bunch of these drunk fans together and put them in a neutral site. I think you're at, asking for potentially even more trouble there. Um just calling a spade a spade. So we'll see what happens with all that. Um, yeah. If they didn't play it for a few years, I wouldn't, as I drop stuff here, if they didn't play it for a few years, I wouldn't, I don't know that people's feelings would be hurt, but uh, also they're going to play because drama breeds ratings and all that type of nonsense. And um, yeah, I don't know what the solution is, but uh, on to the questions again. Um because Jamon Green was someone we just spoke about. Jamon Green has played great this season. Any idea how much the concussion facial injury will affect his play the remainder of the year? Sitting, sitting out against Rutgers, more Will Johnson. Uh, concussion protocol is a serious thing. Uh, there are, you know, there are steps you have to clear to to get cleared to play again. I don't know if that will affect them this week. I mean, again, it's Rutgers. Uh, it's an opportunity to get Will Johnson some more run, but. I also think that from a, you know, Jim Harbaugh called it traumatic today. So there might be some, some emotional stuff going on there. Um, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if he didn't play this weekend. And Jaden McBurrows hasn't played 
really this year. So that, that would be, you know, not those guys, not traveling and just taking a deep breath. There's a lot going on now. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but uh, I guess we'll see, you know, Jamon Green's a a graduate uh, student, so he's going to want to be out there with his guys if he clears protocol. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I will say the last time someone was in protocol or had a concussion, um, you know, not sure exactly which or, or what the difference is, but was Roman Wilson uh, probably could have played that next weekend, but they held him out, didn't bring him to Indiana. So that's something, you know, my guess is if the concussion thing's true, which I know Tom Mars said in his statement uh, that Jamon did suffer a concussion, then I would assume he's not going to play. Uh, will Johnson, I thought, had his best game against Michigan State and was actually getting more reps anyway in that game, shot out of a cannon. He's been so good against the run, which is, um, you know, sometimes a, I feel like a corner can lack in that category earlier on in their career, and then they kind of pick it up. Uh, even DJ Turner has gotten better at that throughout his time. But Will Johnson is starting out where he might be best at that than anything. So I think that's exciting. Uh, would like to see more Will, but I want, you know, hopefully Jamon will be good to go. And from what we've heard, he's in good spirits, at least considering the circumstances. So, um, you know, it's just a real tough, you know, that he had to go through that. I think Jamon was one that got beat on both of the, the long balls, was he not? He was. Uh, yep. Yeah. So Will Johnson, I don't think there's anything wrong with resting Jamon and giving Will Johnson some more time in this game. I think it'll help you when you play a team like Ohio State with some of their athletes. You know what? If they start picking on somebody like Jamon, who's had a great year, you know, um, then Will Johnson comes in and, and maybe he pulls his Charles Woodson right when at the end of Charles Woodson's freshman year and has his yeah. best game in that game. So he's that kind of talent where you're like, OK, let's get him some more reps now and get him ready for those big games when we're going to need him. So uh, I do think Jamon Green, there's a chance that he probably won't travel in this game. So uh, and like you said, maybe he could use the reset as well, especially after what happened. Jim, Jim Harbaugh called it traumatic. And you see it, guys. You see guys holding him and beating him. It was like gang violence. You know, it was like beating him with a helmet. Uh, they had him and Winman was actually holding on to him. He put his helmet back on to get in there. Cowardice uh, at its worst. So uh, let's see Jamon sit this one out and, and see what Will Johnson could do in there. Yep. Don't have, uh, if he doesn't play again, I, you know, I don't think they'll, there's that much of a drop off. Cause I do think Will Johnson is coming on, but you want those guys all on the field. If they're healthy or healthy enough. Uh, D Brown says, I think keeping the Paul Bunyan trophy, a locker room trophy, like it used to be would help. Uh, fun fact, actually, uh, Michigan State was the team that made sure it was no longer a locker room trophy. Um, I think it was, I, I forget which year it was, maybe the 2017 year, but that was one of the first times, you know, it was recently where started celebrating with Paul Bunyan on the field. And, you know, as these things escalate, Michigan says, okay, when we win it, we're going to celebrate on the field. Uh, so I don't know if, uh, again, putting rules in place, because people can't behave is uh it's like don't assault people i mean right. whatever, make whatever rule you want there's already a law that you can't do this so i mean i don't right. know what you know what you want to do there and you're right i think it was either 15 or 17 had to be they paraded it around so harbaugh said okay well if we win it then uh we're gonna parade it around their stadium and that's exactly what they did in 2018 yeah and that's yeah. kind of what Michigan State wants. They want, want more draw, attention drawn to it and to them. You know, the, it's the little brother syndrome. Anybody can say whatever they want to, that inferiority, or inferiority complex, whatever you want to call it. But they want that attention. And when they don't get it, and this was their, this was their last opportunity, guys. And I wrote this. I, we get it. You know what? Your season is a tire fire. This was your last chance to salvage it. You lost. Now you're really, really mad. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you're going to assault somebody uh, for running next to you uh, into his locker room. So uh, all that other crap. 
you know what? I, I miss the days when, like Doug Skeen said, they would pinch him at the bottom of piles and they would punch him at the bottom of piles and everything and pinch him like little girls, I think he said. <laughs> I think it was Tony McGee, the tight end, who used to say that. But then after it was over, they'd be like, okay, we're done with you. We don't need to talk about you. Uh, as I was talking to somebody in the building today and they said, you know what? We just want to be able to celebrate our win and, and to enjoy this. I want my football season back. We'll get it probably after the, the game against Rutgers, but it's going to be a long week, guys, because there's still going to be some fallout from this. Yeah, it's going to stay a story for a bit. And I, again, I hesitate to say, you know, it's a good week to just play a game that you just need to get through. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Rutgers, Rutgers has given Michigan a game the last couple of years. So uh, it's something that you do have to kind of get up for and be on high alert up, up for. But it is, you know, the immediacy of being, you know, being a Michigan fan and you get the Paul Bunyan trophy back. I mean, if you're a fan that woke up or even went to bed Saturday night disappointed, or it didn't really feel like uh, a positive night for you. I can't say I blame you for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got a couple, we got time for a few more here. So we'll go kind of rapid fire. Uh, this one's from Josh Kemi who says, do you think Illinois will post any threat slash give Michigan any trouble? Uh, quick response from me. Yes. Uh, trouble is a relative term, but, it's, you know, not only is that a, you know, people came into this year thinking that would be a tune-up game. Well, guess what? Now it's a resume game, uh, the way things are looking. So uh, I think that's a positive, but it's not a, you know, that's a week they're going to have to get up for. And it's before the Ohio State game this year, right? So you're looking at that game right before you play Ohio State and uh, they're physical. Uh, they That looks like a Wisconsin team under Brett Bielema and they're starting to get there. But Wisconsin kind of in their earlier years, I, I'm going to compare it to like there were years when Michigan would beat Wisconsin 27 to 10. They'd pull away in the second half. It was kind of a slugfest. I think you'll see that. I don't think Illinois is going to score a ton of points on them. So uh, I like Michigan in that game. But, uh, you know, who knows? It could be a rematch a couple weeks later, too, depending on who wants to win the West or who doesn't want to lose it, I guess. That's what I was going to say. They could yeah. play them twice, and I think right. either game could be a challenge. I, I still would bet on Michigan probably winning by double digits or, you know, possession or two. But, um, no, I think it will be a challenge. They're almost they're kind of like a worse version of Michigan, uh, and, you know, not that much worse. I mean, they're not national title contender, but they're a top 25 team in terms of that style. I, I watched most of their game against Wisconsin. Um, they do some really good things on both sides of the ball. Chase Brown is a great running back, so – I think it'll be a challenge. They can lose that game. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, you know, a threat in that type of way. But I also think Michigan should have a good chance and they're the better team. And if they're focused going into, you know, the penultimate regular season game, then they should be fine. Yeah. I, I would, my, I guess I would, my terminology on that would shift from worst Michigan team to like either dollar, dollar tree, Michigan, or like uh diet, diet, Michigan, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, Clayton, you spoke of the penultimate game. We'll speak of the ultimate game. Uh, Jason Campbell wants to know, after seeing nine weeks of Michigan and OSU football, are you more or less confident in Michigan's trip to Columbus? OSU struggled these last two weeks, and Michigan has been dominant. That's a great, great question. Uh, Something we probably should revisit every few weeks during the season because everyone's kind of talking about that matchup. But great question, Jason. Um, I'm more confident. I'm more confident – um, because of what I've seen from Ohio State. One, they haven't played anybody uh, outside of Penn State, really. Uh, it was a weak schedule. And then they could have lost that game easily. I thought James Franklin mismanaged it. Uh, surprise, surprise. With, you know, he should have gone up 17 <laughs> to 13 uh, early on in that game. And then, you know, of course, Ohio State had their run and they did a good job. You, you can't fault them for that. But 
Um, no, I think Ohio State has some flaws still. Uh, I think Michigan will probably win the trenches in this game or, or has a good chance to at least. Um, I don't want to go there yet, but uh, and they're going to have a shot. I still don't predict Michigan wins that game because it's in Columbus, but uh, it's uh, you know it looks like it's going to be a really, really competitive one. I agree. And everybody, anybody that's looking at scores of Ohio State versus Iowa and Penn State, uh, you're not getting it. You don't understand football. Uh, they had a hard time in the red zone. They couldn't move the ball against Iowa when they got they, – I think they started inside 30, 30 six times maybe or something like that. And, yeah. and they were they were kicking field goals most of the time. Yeah, so you want to talk about red zone issues. It's the key – and everybody talks about pass rush and everything else. It's not like Iowa was getting there with regularity against C.J. Stroud. Uh, they were making it difficult him to go th- for him to go through his reads and disguising their defenses extremely well, something Michigan did really well last year. So Notre Dame took a page out of that book, gave Ohio State a game in the opener. We know Notre Dame is up and down. It's kind of a weird team, uh, but we do know that Michigan's defense is certainly capable of that and that they've been focusing on that. Jesse Minner following in Mike McDonald's footsteps. Uh, I feel about the same. I think Michigan had a, a pretty solid shot to win that game going in. I don't feel any differently, and I can't wait to get there, guys. I don't want to wish the rest of the season away, though, you know, because uh, we still have some games to go. it's amazing how fast it goes. But uh, we're going to have a blast, guys, after Thanksgiving going down there for that one. Yeah, uh, ESPN's FPI has it like 75-25 in favor of Ohio State right now. I think if I were to handicap it, I'd say it's probably closer to 60-40. I wouldn't Agreed. pick Michigan to win, but. Uh, they've got more than a puncher's chance and maybe even a better chance than they do than they did coming into last year's game. Right. So uh, last one, a quick one here from uh, we'll end with Christian Roberts question who says, did anyone ask uh, if you think this will positively or negatively impact the season for U of M? And I believe that that's in reference to just what happened over the weekend after the game. Neither. I think it's uh, they're just going to continue. I think it, uh, like you said, it's a, I think it's good that they're playing Rutgers as a 26 point favorite. I'm glad this isn't one of the better Rutgers teams, because if you had to go on the road after this and you know what, it's going to be an interesting week of practice, I think, um, and how they how they handle this. And th- this is going to be in the news for a while. It's not going away anytime soon. But I think they get through this week and then we get back to normal right the following week when they play Nebraska and, uh, and not Scott Frost. Yeah, I think it's unknowable, as Jim Harbaugh would say, whether it positively or negatively impact. But I will say, if I had to guess, it's either going to be neutral or positive. You know, so incidents like this and and just situations like this, um, you know, while we haven't seen many, but just situations like that can, you know, bring a team closer together, you know, can galvanize the team a little bit. And I know it was already a close group, which is, you know, why you saw in that video even, you know, some of those guys coming out of the locker room saying, hey, you know, let me get a shot at these guys. And, and luckily they were held back. But um, no, I think it could galvanize the group a little bit. And I think also, well, we're still talking about it. Well, it's still a huge thing on social media. When Michigan met today as a team, I'm sure it got addressed. But you start watching film of Rutgers. You start cleaning up the stuff from the last game. You know, they go to practice today. I know it's the young guys get to, you know, do their opportunity practice. But and then practice tomorrow. It's about Rutgers. So I think they're going to be more focused probably in that building than uh, other, other than cooperating with the investigations than maybe the outsiders. So I, I think we'll see a, a focused enough team and whether that's 80% focused and normal, probably good enough to beat Rutgers handily as well, or 90%, whatever, you know, how you, however you want to quantify it. So I think they're going to be fine. And I think it could help or be neutral. Yeah. I'm going to write about this tomorrow. I'll make my answer quick. Uh, I think that it's it's going to be a different kind of refocusing after the MSU game uh, compared to compared to last year to this year. So it is 
again, uh, after the Michigan State game last year, Michigan played kind of a weird, not super impressive game against Indiana and then went on to do what it did the rest of the year. So uh, thank you. Thank you for the question. Uh, thank you to everyone for the questions. That's going to do it for us tonight. A lot of ground covered, a long episode. Uh, again, reminder, we will not be here next week live as we do have uh, Michigan basketball season opener. So we'll see if we can replace it with something else or give you something else to, to munch on that day. But if not, enjoy the basketball game. Uh, we'll give them the basketball game to munch Yeah, on. we will get plenty of coverage out of that. So, again, thank you guys for spending your Monday nights with us. Um, shout out to the dads out there who are probably listening with one earbud in while taking their kids trick-or-treating. Uh, grateful for you guys, uh, Clayton, Chris, for spending time uh, here on a Monday night. That's going to do it for us. Uh, you can leave a like on the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, I mean, our shows are everywhere. YouTube, uh, YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you consume content. Chris, thank you. Clayton, thank you. Michigan fans, thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.